Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We're here at SEC Media Days, Radio Row. We've, uh... We've basically stolen a spot on Radio Row. I'm here with Richard Johnson from Sports Illustrated, from Split Zone Duo, from the SEC Network. Did I? What did I miss? Partridge in a pear tree. Everything. Okay. Yes. Everything. Beautiful. Now, I, I seeing you here, working for all these amazing companies, is it does my heart good because, for those who don't know, I've known Richard since he was a student at University of Florida. He was writing stories for the Independent Florida Alligator, just like I did back in the day, and watching you just. Rocket ship <laughs> has been amazing, but I mean, it. How weird is it now? Like you're part of the machine. Like you have a show on the SEC network. Yeah, like it's it is interesting. Um, it's it's interesting to be wearing a TV credential this week. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So this, for, if you don't, this is the fancy show, one contractual <laughs> network. There, I've got. Uh, the red credential. Please tackle this person if he gets near anyone important. Credential. No, yeah, you're, you're part of the part of the machine now. I, I am. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's interesting to now be. So I'm 29 right now, and it's interesting to be in a spot where, you know, I'm not OG yet, but I'm now. Like there are student journalists who are hitting me up. There are, you know, I talk to some college classes every now and then, and so it's that started to happen more and more. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's it's trending towards OG level. Well, you you work with Spencer Hall on the show, and and so he he has a longer beard than you. Uh, he's been at it longer. Yes. But that is a – I'm just so happy that they've recognized because, you know, that's more – it's a mainstream thing. And, I like, I remember back in the day when ESPN was hiring for a college football job and they, hired, they interviewed some people I knew. And one of the people didn't get the job because their southern accent was too strong. Like, <laughs> and and now, now you see, like, you guys – because Spencer's kind of the, the original great college football blogger. And then you're part of this next generation of, of people who've come through in a very different landscape. It's not just you work for a newspaper and then you became a beat writer and then a columnist yeah. and all that. Yeah, it's funny because that was like, that was the path, right? Yeah. I, I, I thought I was going to cover the Gators for a little bit and then I would, you know, cover the SEC maybe. And then, you know, you go national after 10 or so years, but it's it just... I, I don't know. I, I, things have fallen the right way. I've had great people in my life that have been behind me, that have pushed me, that have inspired me. Um, and it's been really cool. And it's funny that you bring up Spencer because, like, when I write a short list of the people who, you know, who do I pattern my game yeah. after, it's like a little bit Spencer. And frankly, Andy, it's a little bit of you. Hey. And there's some other people, well, uh, you know, on that list this, that this now Spencer I'm sort of I rub was, shoulders yeah, with them the now. Yeah, the Spencer thing was great for me. And you've heard Spencer on the show. If you, if you listen to the show, you've, we, we've had him on. But if you don't read Spencer's work, you, you've got to because he is. I think he's the most talented sports writer working, and the thing is, he never intended to, for that to happen. I don't. I don't even know. If he he probably didn't even consider himself a sports writer. No, he's not. I mean, and and he, you know, he was doing a job where he was basically. I mean, he was helping refugees settle in the United States, 
and was a giant Florida fan. He'd gone to the University of Florida and was right, doing this Everyday Should Be Saturday blog. And like, it, it, for me, because when I saw it for the first time, I thought, okay, this is what college football fandom is. This, this, this embraces all the weird stuff. All the, and, and so like, he inspired me when I was at the Tampa Tribune. I remember I, I was reading his site every day, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go find the guy who started the Gators <laughs> Wear Jean Shorts chant. And I call my bosses at the Tampa Tribune. I'm like, I found him, and he lives in our area. And they're like, who cares? <laughs> Nobody wants to read that. And, and they're like, but you can put it on your blog. I was like, fine, I'm putting it on my blog. And it is still one of my favorite things I have ever written. Yeah, it's, it's really funny because like, I, I knew starting out early that I could never be Spencer, right? Like, yeah. you, you realize very quickly that I can't do that, right? Yeah. I, 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 you, know, you can't even try. The, but you can the take guy can inspiration. write 10,000 words on bison and you read every Incredible. one. Yeah. But you take the inspiration and you try to fold it into what you do. Yeah. And I think that's been part of, as I've gotten older, yeah. part of what I've tried to do. And I've done that from a lot of people that I look up to and a lot of people that I respect. Well, and, and you've got a, you've carved a nice little niche because you're, you're writing a lot of stories about, you know, just at SI, you have a big platform there. But Split Zone Duo, a lot of it is, is X's and O's type stuff that you love, I love. It's hard to find the audience sometimes, but there's a big group of people out there who want to talk about that stuff. I had some guy just tweet at me today, when are we getting more X's and O's talk? And like, I, I have a couple ideas, and we'll, we'll tease. I'm hoping in the next few weeks that we're going to get some of this, but I'm gonna, I, I want to have somebody who coaches the option on yeah. to explain the triple option, and we try to break it down in English for the casual fan and, and, and hope that people will fall in love with it the way I, I love it. Because I'm not a defensive lineman who gets cut by the by their offensive lineman. Yeah, like I find scheme stuff in general to be very engaging intellectually for a couple reasons. One is obviously I like to learn about the game. I'm obsessed with learning about the game. But on the other end, there's also how do you portray it to the audience, right? Yeah. How do you and, – and I do it because I work in three different mediums. How do I do it across those three different mediums? Yeah. That intellectually and, and just creatively is a constantly evolving challenge for me, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy. I find the people who can translate it to English are the most successful. Dan Orlovsky on ESPN is great at it. You know who's the best at it, though? Is a guy who talked down behind us earlier today, Nick Saban. Yeah. Nick Saban, part of what, and, and all great coaches are good at this. They're good They're at teachers. translating football to English right. and, and making people understand it. Because not everybody in your football team is going to be a genius. Right. But you need them in the moment to, to remember what you told them. Especially when you're running his defense. Yes. Yeah. Pattern matching, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. that sort of thing. It's not easy. It's, yeah. not, it's not something that you just pick up in a day. And I just, I'm fascinated when he, because you'll hear him break something down and, and he'll explain like the, the rat hole safety. Yeah. Like, or, or, you know, play, the rat player. And I'm like, what is that? And he'll tell it, he'll give you a 30 second explanation. And you're like, oh, I know exactly what that person yeah. does now. And the funny thing is when, like, if you want to get a coach to talk about something they actually want to talk about, yes. ask them about – maybe not their scheme. Yep. Maybe a broader trend is the yep. better way to do it. But, yeah, like you ask them about scheme or some big-picture thought. The question I wanted to ask, David, and I did not get a chance to, and I'm, I'm kicking myself. So uh, they had Will Anderson here, Alabama yeah. did, and I'm fascinated by Will Anderson because he's – I think he's probably the most dominant defensive player in college football since Ndamukong Sue. He's probably the most dominant pass rusher in the SEC since Derek Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, Clowney maybe, but yeah, I think you could say that. I mean, Derek Thomas, and, and he, 
that's who I grew up watching. Right. I say, mom went to Alabama, so Alabama games were on when I was that age. And he was unstoppable. Yeah. This is just completely unstoppable force. And that's what Will Anderson feels like to me. And But then you hear him talk, and he was talking about, you know, looking at Derek Thomas filming and all that. But I, I read the Daniel Jeremiah breakdown of Will Anderson, the scouting report. And, and Daniel was talking about having some friends who worked in the Patriots organization. And I guess Belichick's big thing when he's scouting a defensive player is he wants to know how does that guy – play extra points hmm. and because the, the the reasoning behind it is this it's a essentially a gimme play in college so you don't have to give any effort yeah and also you're pissed because you just gave up a touchdown <laughs> so how how much do the, do the does the guy sulk how much does he just loaf how hard does he play yeah apparently will anderson goes balls out huh. on every extra point that he has to defend that's like, very interesting. It yeah. feels like a very telling thing. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask Nick Saban is, what is it when you're evaluating that's one of your things? What do you want to see? Because I've, I've heard about – like I was told about one offensive line coach uh, years ago. He, he would watch him block and, and you know, kind of get the, like, the baseline check off. Okay, you can do all the things. But then he wanted to see what happened when they got knocked down, yeah. how they got up. And if they got up the wrong way, they were off the list. Done. It didn't matter what she did with the other stuff. Yeah, those those very small things, like what are the things that you look for, is just really interesting because it always they're always going to say something. And, you know, some of it can sometimes be pop psychology, and we know yeah. there's oh, yeah. nothing that football people love more than oh. being pop psychologists. Yes. Um, but it, They it have is, read every Malcolm Gladwell book. <laughs> yes. But it is always interesting. Yeah. It's always illustrative. Um, and Will Anderson, I think, I, I asked Saban, and one of the things that I think Saban is – you know, when he explains defense, like, yeah. so what is, uh, what is, what does Will give you on defense? Right. And right. it's very simple. Nick will tell you, we can play now, whatever the hell we want I know. in coverage. Yes. Like we can do whatever we want because we've got him and Dallas turn on the other end. Yeah. We only have to rush for pin your ears back. Go. Well, and the, no stunts, the, the, no loops, the Dallas no twists, Turner thing is go. a big deal. And I was, I was thinking about this. So another spoiler alert before all this realignment crap happened, we were going to do our, our re- we've been doing our rewatch series and we were going to do an episode on the 2009 Texas Nebraska Big 12 title game which is in Dominican Sioux maybe the most dominant defensive performance in a single game in the history of college football and but Max Olson and Mitch Sherman and I the day we were going to record it was the day that USC and UCLA oh went to the Big 10 so we haven't gotten a chance to record it yet but I I was rewatching that game and it occurred to me how much Jared Crick meant to Indomitian Sioux because you could not focus on Indomitian right. Sioux exclusively because Jared Crick was also a, a very good defensive tackle playing next to him. Dallas Turner yes. makes it where you can't slide your protection to Will Anderson. You are screwed if you can't yes. slide your protection to Will Anderson. And that is an issue. It's, yeah. it's which one do we care about? Which one are we going to try to take away? You can double one of them. You can't double both of them. Yeah. And if you – man – just straight one-on-ones over the course of a 60-minute football game with both of those guys, you're not going to win those battles. And so I think the, Al- the, the, the thing with Alabama this season for me that is going to be so interesting has nothing to do with offense. It's to the extent yep. that you can in the post-RPO offensive explosion era, how much can you roll back to defense first? And we saw last year. Right. Georgia, Georgia. Michigan, Cincinnati. You can Wait, I another example. be defense first. Baylor, and, yes. Oklahoma State. Yes. You can be defense first and, and you know either sniff the playoff or out and out win the national championship. It is possible. 
We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is possible, and, and I think that's interesting because the game keeps evolving. And, and that's why George's offense fascinates me because they are trying to take advantage of an inefficiency that all these offenses have created. What, what did Nick Saban do to deal with it? Like, I will never forget watching, I think it was Eddie Jackson as a freshman, just getting torched by Mike Evans over and over. And that's an Eddie Jackson's corner. Well, it turned out Eddie Jackson made a great safety in the new world. Right. Nick Saban changed. Minka. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Saban changed how he recruited DBs, changed how he deployed DBs. And essentially, he put out five guys who would have been corners, all of them, in 2008. Yeah. And so everybody did that. Everybody, And, and all of a sudden, outside linebackers were the size of safeties. Yeah. And, and, and not just strong safeties, they're the size of like free safeties. Like you're seeing these 215 pound outside linebackers and it's like, okay, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm thinking, wait. It's time to run the rock, baby. Let's get these tight ends. Light boxes, who's let's go- run the who rock. Who the hell's going to cover these guys? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it, it is, it's the cyclical, it's the push-pull of yeah. offensive and defensive football, right? If defenses want to go light, yeah. that's fine. Because at the end of the day, we're just going to run it down your throat yeah. into light bo- into, into uh, uh, light personnel. Yeah. And that's where I think you see push-pull and all that kind of stuff. And just with like the way bodies, these bodies are coming, right? Yeah. The tweeners and the, all that kind of stuff. It's just hybrids. It's well, I, so I'm not sure Will Anderson, there, there would have been questions about where, where do you fit. Right. Because he said he's 250. Which he, I hit. He looked 235. Yes, exactly. Like he's a well put together to like, he's a perfectly crazy. He's, yeah, he's a muscle that weighs yeah. more than fat 250. Yeah. But it was, it, it is amazing to me because I, you, you think, oh, these guys must be bigger, but you don't have to be bigger if you're, if you're explosive, if you're fast. Explosion is the most important trait in football. It has nothing to do with how much you can lift. It's how quickly you can move it right. once you're, once you're lifting it. Quick twitch, fast twitch, that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, I remember working out with uh, with Aaron Feld, who's the uh, the Miami strength coach now. This is when he was at Oregon, and he goes, "You're not going to want to hear this, but you're actually strong enough to do whatever you need to do on a football field." He's like, "But your explosion sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you were no good. That's, yeah, that's why you <laughs> yeah. didn't go to the NFL. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's true. But that's where Will Anderson just jumps off the page. That's where where Dallas Turner jumps off the page. I'm." I'm so excited to watch these guys, and I think you're right. I think I, I think you know we we assumed that there was the, the era of the defensive dominance was over. That you're never going to see another dominant. Defense. We saw it last year. We saw a dominant defense last year. It is possible to do it, and I think you're going to see it again. Now, you know, I, I think you may see it in a little bit of a different way. Like they're not going to maul teams like Georgia Malta. They're not built to do that. No, but. You're not going to throw for 500 yards against that defense. No. I don't know. It's, I don't think And they're going to get quarterbacks on the ground, which is not something Nick Saban teams you, have typically You are going to be in some third and longs yeah. against this team. And Will Anderson, when he people don't realize this, Will Anderson next April, when he walks across that stage, he will be the highest 
uh, highest drafted edge rusher Nick Saban's ever had. Yes. And it, honestly, it doesn't matter if he goes first or if he goes 31st. Right. Like, they really have not put out, like, edge, edge rushers. No, they, they've had some guys who were kind of specialty guys, like Tim Williams was one of those who was great, and his, like, PFF grade was off the charts because he was only playing in situations where you could take advantage of the thing he did really well. This is the most complete edge rusher that Nick Saban's ever had. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they kicked Jonathan Allen inside when he got to Washington. Yeah. And so it true pin the ears back yeah. edge rushers. Courtney Upshaw, really I guess, was, was kind of that guy. But, yeah, and, and when we run an odd front, it's a little bit different. You know, the, the even front guys, it's a little easier to wrap our brains around, like, you are a, you are a four, four down defensive end. Your job is to rush the quarterback and occasionally set the edge. But what they asked Will Anderson to do where he's an outside linebacker and then sometimes he's playing a four-eye defensive end and, and occasionally they'll play him at the three. Like, th this is completely different. This is, this is you've got 330-pound guys leaning on you at times. This is, again, the adapt. Like, what, what does Nick Saban do better than anybody else? Adapt. Stay ahead of the curve, yep. right? 2012, 2013, is this what we want football to be? Okay. Okay. If <laughs> Did this you what notice we want it to he be? asked us that this morning yes, too? Yes. It, if, about the NIL stuff. Yes. If this is what we want football to be, I will do it and I will yeah. do it better than anybody else has ever done it. Yep. And so if if we are getting back to, you know, some type of way where defense is at the forefront, he's going to do it and he's going to do it again and he's going to do it better than anybody else. Yeah. And, and I know a bunch of you are out there listening going, oh God, you're talking about Alabama winning another national title. But at this point, I'm just like sit back and marvel at it because yeah. Ari Wasserman and I talked about this the other day. We think Nick Saban's success has screwed up everyone's idea of normal. Yes. Because Ari asked me the, the question of, let's say Georgia only wins one more title in the next 10 years. Yeah. Is that a disappointment? I'm like, I mean, I guess based on their talent level, but no. Right. Like it shouldn't be. And that's what <laughs> I, even leading up to this last national championship game, you know, you can make jokes about that it had been 40 years since, but for God's sakes, they were in overtime yes. of, you know, the, the previous, like, yeah. it's not like they had never gotten close. Um, and so, yeah, you, you know, it, let's say they only win one more. And when it's all said and done, Kirby has two, one with a transcendent defense and then a third almost. And it's like, wow, it's going to seem empty because this other guy won six in two different, at least, at least yes. six in two different eras. Nobody's going to do 12 this or 13 again. Years. Yeah. Nobody's going to do this yeah. again. It's just not. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. And Dabo, I think Dabo this is the same way when yeah. he hangs it up. Like Dabo will have this tremendous amount of success and tremendous amount of sustained success. Right. And even having gone back and forth with this Alabama team and those, that epic kind of five-year yeah. stretch where it was them yeah, back he, and he forth. He built it to a point where at one point you could say Clemson was better yeah. than Alabama. Yeah. And, and that's hard to say in the, in the Saban era. But I'm not sure if Dabo can keep that up. How adaptable is Dabo going to be? Because and I think Dabo, that is a key thing about this new Dabo era with the new coordinators that he has yeah. that are promoted from within. Yep. I think Dabo deserves the benefit of the doubt because of the Clemson family model. Obviously yeah. it's worked very well, but, but this is another great, test. They of it. made their greatest leaps after they hired Chad Morris and after they hired Brent Venables when, when the new blood came in, that's why I'm, I'm curious about how this works. But like you said, what he's done has worked. And, and Ari and I go back and forth on this all the time. Like, if, if you've got a transcendent quarterback and a freakish D-line, you're doing fine. Yeah. Well, Clemson's got the D-line this year. We'll see with the quarterback. But, but they got the D-line. So, I, I mean, 
I, I am not going to predict the uh, demise of the of the Clemson dynasty. <laughs> no, it, it, Dabo, Dabo deserves the benefit of the doubt. For me this season, when I look into it, like I, I don't want to be so just auto sim me to the national title game between yeah. Ohio State and Alabama. But I re Whoa. that is the matchup. I mean, if Ohio that State can play defense they, at all, they are going to <laughs> score a truckload <laughs> of points this season. I was talking with some of the guys who cover Alabama about Jamison Williams and, and him, and uh, and I'm like. Can you imagine being Jamison Williams, knowing you are as good as you are, but looking up and seeing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but then looking back and see Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's what chased him off. It's yeah. not that Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were so good. It's it's oh my god, how good is Jackson Smith and Jigba going to be? Yeah, yeah, and they are with with them, Stroud, Travion. They're going to be at a, a level of explosive offense. That there, nobody is going to touch them. Yeah. In the Big Ten, obviously Notre Dame is a different story. In Week One, I think it's going to be interesting. Week One's always crazy. You right. Can never really predict what you're going to get yeah. Week One. But over the balance of the season, that's why the matchup between Alabama and Ohio State is the one that I like already cannot wait for. If it's what we get in the playoff, because I think styles make fights. Yes. And those two, because Ohio State, you know, we'll see how far well, Ohio State's defense has come. Quarterback play in, in a game involving Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know, it's crazy. I, but Ohio State on defense, yeah, that like Michigan punked them, man. Yeah. Michigan really punked them. Oh, yeah. Um, Jim, and, Jim Knowles has work cut out for him, but Jim Knowles also has more raw material than he's ever worked with before. Yeah. And, and so, like, beyond that, that's why I think this season in college football is really wide open as far as after them, right? Yeah. With whoever's going to be also in the playoff mm-hmm. this season, I think it's pretty wide open. I think the SEC is the same way. The SEC is – I th- I think Georgia's going to come back to the pack. That may look like losing one regular season right. game. Right, right. Because I the think schedule, the middle – I'm not sure where, where you find that. But yeah. the middle of the SEC, I think, is in a spot where it's better than it's really been in a right. lot and, and this is this is the trivia question – or not – Trivia with the prediction question I care about most here at SEC Media Days this week, who's second in both divisions? Yeah. Because you can make a case in the West for Texas A&M, for LSU. Ole Miss was the second best one last year. They are completely reinvented through transfers. And we just, you and I were just following around Mike Leach. He has a super old team. Right. Super old. And there's a, like, I, I talked to some quarterback guys who really like what Will Rogers does yeah. in that system. And you know, the more you play in that, like you get these air raid quarterbacks that supernova after yeah. three or four years in that system, because finally well, it's sort of all clicks. So here are your three year starters under Mike Leach. Grant, uh, you, you got Cliff Kingsbury in his final year, which was a very good year. Graham Harrell in 2008, Luke Falk, his third year actually set up the Gardner Minshew year, yeah. but they they still won nine games in that in that Luke Falk third year as a starter, and I mean they historically do very well, and I don't think he's had a defense like this on yeah. any of those teams. And and you know, look, Martin Emerson is definitely an NFL corner. I'm not sure how many other NFL guys they have on that defense, but they have a bunch of really good college players. You know, they, they got Jet Johnson's a, a hundred tackle guy last year. Uh, Jaden Crumity on the D line is like one of one of six guys who will just rotate around who are all like fourth year junior or older. And remember, you're always going to be grading an air raid defense on a curve, right? right. How much defense do you really yeah. need for a team that I think you can pretty automatically plug and play 35 points? We'll be right back after these words. Let me go to the East then. Because same thing. I, I think I kind of lean toward Kentucky 
being the second best team in the East. But you can you can make me a compelling argument for Tennessee. South Carolina is very interesting with Spencer Andy, Rattler. We we are not talking about South Carolina enough. I'm telling you. Yeah. I, I, look. Spencer Rattler, frankly, is the drug I cannot quit because of the arm talent. Yep. The arm talent is better than anybody else in the country. I don't care when it's right. Now, what's happening between the ears? Okay, we need to figure that out. But for Rattler, what he can bring to South Carolina, if, and I think you talk to a lot of people around South Carolina's program and around Rattler, they think that him being in sort of a more paint-by-numbers offense, mm-hmm. under center, less air raid, less vibes, yeah. like a more structured system yep. um, where, where we kind of, it's one to two to three. Like, yep. I, I think they think very highly about his potential in that system. And so if he's there, he gives you an opportunity to vault the rest of that team up because Who's to say he doesn't yep. supernova, throw for 375 one day, and uh-huh. they beat somebody they're not supposed well, and, to beat? And here's the thing. We have seen this across college football. If you have a special quarterback, it can change your fortunes. It, it can raise your level of play considerably. Our alma mater has a guy who has the raw materials for sure. Yeah, if, you drew it, if you drew yeah. it up in a lab, they don't look better than Anthony Richardson. But we've not gotten to see it on the field. And that's what I, I do wonder... Can he put that all together? Because Florida's roster right now does not look like it's going to be a very dominant roster. It doesn't look like it's going to make a dent in, in, in the SEC East. <laughs> but if you have transcendent quarterback play, suddenly you're two games better. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I, I don't want to be so reductive as to say, you know, can he throw? But can he throw? That's well, like, right. That's it's not, and what? it's not even can he throw. Like, you can watch him throw. Right. It's a beautiful looking ball. Can he throw in the flow of an offense? Yes. Can he on time, yeah. over the middle, I mean, with accuracy? What What is Florida's best quarterback of the last, you know, po- of the post Tebow era? It's Kyle Trask, yeah. whose bith- whose best talent was knowing exactly when he was supposed to let go of the ball, right, and, and where it was supposed it, to right. go, and putting it exactly where it needs to be on frame. You know, that's the thing with Richardson. I, I also have, you know, I think both of us think the world of Billy Napier as a program architect and likely as a play caller. My thing with Billy, though, is just by default, you are taking a step down from Dan Mullen as an offensive coordinator, play caller, offensive coach. Right. And so what does that look like? And we just don't know. No. I think everybody's got a lot of high hopes, but we just don't know. Well, and that's what people keep asking about Napier. Oh, is it going to work? Is it going to work? I don't know. He's doing everything you're supposed to do. From from a program building standpoint, he is targeting the, the kind of players you need to target if you would like to win SEC championships, if you'd like to compete for national championships. But you've got to actually get them. Right. We'll see come signing day if they actually get some of them. And then you got to manage them. Right. That, that's the other part. It's it's not easy to manage this. And again, I go back. We Nick Saban makes it look <laughs> so easy. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like you, you, you can't just get top two, top two recruiting classes every year. Like you're not supposed to do that, but that is what they do. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And, but then, and then you got Kirby doing the same thing. Right. And, and that's what we're going to find out how well Kirby follows that, that blueprint in terms of maintaining, because here's the stat about Georgia that blows my mind and that I think should be kind of scary if you're a team that has to play them. How many transfers do they take this year? Zero. Hmm. 
That means they think everybody they had was better than everyone they could I get. I did not realize that. Yes. That's very interesting. They took a few last year, remember, and, and filled some spots. Right. But not this year. All right. So. All right. That, that feels pretty telling to me. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's like, and, and I think, obviously, Kirby has seen what, it's, what, it, what it takes to maintain, right? Yep. Kirby's seen it, and he knows what it takes, and that's why I think, so, you know, if Georgia is to become the next Alabama, what do you have to do to kick on? Yeah. And, and now you're in a different discussion. Now yeah. you've won the title. Everybody knows that you can do it. The 40-year jokes are done. Now yeah. it's about kicking on, going to the next level, and, and maintaining it because what is maintaining it? Maintaining it is being back in the playoff next yes. year. Maintaining it is being back 60 minutes away from national championship because yep. that's what Alabama does. Yep. I, I can't wait to see it. Now, before I let you go, I do have to say this, and I'm sorry we're getting all schmoopy here on this show, but you – were just named the Edward Ashoff Rising Star Award winner by the Football Writers Association of America. I cannot tell you how proud I am because I met Edward in the same circumstances that I met you. And for those who don't know, Edward Ashoff was a reporter at ESPN. He passed away a few years ago and just one of the best people you'll ever meet. And, and I met Edward when I was a beat writer covering Florida. Edward was a student there. He was working for, he was actually stringing for the Gainesville Sun. And, uh, and so I met him in similar circumstances, how I met you and to see you win that and, and to have seen your evolution. I just, it, it makes me so proud to, to be able to see that. So uh, sorry about that, but <laughs> I, uh, just, I, 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 when I was at SI, I tried to get Richard to come work with us. <laughs> and so now it, he, he did, he waited till I left to show up, <laughs> but I, I'm just so happy he's there. And, and so Richard saying, thank you for, for joining us and, and thank you for, uh, for just showing how it's done, like how, how to work. I appreciate it. I appreciate so it. So watch Richard on the SEC Network with Spencer. They're, they're getting kicked off again when the season starts. But also read them at SI. Listen to Split Zone Duo wherever you get your podcasts. You just I, I, I say, you know, follow them. Five-star review. I don't know if they answer the five-star review questions like Ari and I do. But, you know, you can toss them in. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Richard will. Now his co-host Stephen Godfrey. Oh, yeah, he's kind of a curmudgeon. Yeah, so. Exactly. Not kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, thank you so much.